Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed, make sure and click the subscribe button, like, comment, let us know what you think about the episode. Um, if there's a particular guest or topic you want covered, we're always checking YouTube comments. Love to hear from you guys and then be able to get your suggestions and work them into future episodes. Today, I'm going to be chatting with Speed of Air, and you guys had requested that we have them on to talk about their piston design and the way that it's really revolutionary for power, efficient burns, lowering emissions. So I wanted to get an overview of their their design, what it's doing, um, the different trucks that it's available for, and what the future looks like for their product, for diesel engines, and ways to be able to get more power and efficiency out of them, even with the emissions components on the truck. So it's going to be a great conversation. Before we get to it, though, I want to remind you our friends over at Kershaw Knives have a 20% off site-wide discount code for you. Use code 20diesel at kershaw.kaiusa.com. It's a great way to save some money and get some really cool gear. So if you need something for hunting, fishing, um, EDC, something to throw in a toolbox, um, they definitely got you covered. They have released their Duralock model, which is really cool. It uses D2 steel. It's fully ambidextrous. And then also when you open and close it, your fingers aren't in the way. So it's something that's super easy to use. So if you're in the market, make sure and check that out. Also a bunch of their new releases for 2023. Head on over to kershaw.kaiusa.com and don't forget about discount code 20 diesel to save some money. All right, let's get to today's podcast with Speed of Air and talking about piston design and the way that it's really changing the uh, the way that diesels perform their efficiency and the way they can, por- can perform um, with emissions components on a truck. Chris, welcome to the Diesel Podcast. I've uh, got a ton of requests to have you guys on to talk about uh, these pistons, the design, the technology. So I look forward to learning more about the product yourself, the company, what you guys are doing to, uh, I'd say, innovate and push forward um, diesel, not just trucks, but a lot of other parts of the industry as well. Yeah, right on, Patrick. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here and I uh, look forward to it. Tell me tell me a little bit about the company and, and yourself, your involvement with it, the kind of work you do, um, you know, what you guys focus on. So not just myself, but then also the listeners have, have kind of a background of what your guys' specialty is. Yeah, thanks. So it, yeah, we have sort of an interesting background, particularly my involvement. So I actually spent two and a half decades as a as a Marine officer, as a fighter pilot in the Marine Corps, I flew the Harriers as a top gun instructor, flew F-18s and F-16s, and did a lot of operational test flying. And small children, I retired. I got recruited by Caterpillar North America, and I ended up coming back here to Reno to um, oversee uh, the building of their component rebuild center. So it's sort of the heartbeat of Caterpillar's, uh, the cat dealer's, uh, mining industry. So they rebuild all the engines, all the components for the predominantly for the gold mining industry out here in Nevada. And I did that during my tenure there. Uh, I was introduced to speed of air engine technology. And one of my <clears throat> largest clients, uh, which happened to be Newmont Gold Corporation, were having issues at the time with top ring breakage issues in the 3516 engines. These are the 69 liter mine haul truck motors. And they were <clears throat> come to me and asked about the speed of air technology. Well, of course, at the time, I didn't know anything about it. So long and short of it was, 
we built, we did a test program for Newmont using speed of air piston technology. We built two identical motors, same ECM flash, same arrangement number, same mine haul truck profile, and ran them for uh, you know approximately uh, three years, about eighteen thousand hours. And I so I got to oversee the build of the engine. I oversaw the testing, uh, oversaw the teardown and the post mortem uh, inspection, and it was just amazing at how well this technology worked. And so. Uh, you know, fast forward a few years, uh, I think uh, it was a, a lot of smart people in the company, but not particularly well run from a business perspective. And I think they went after the large bore market, and that was the intent, <clears throat> without sort of getting it at the ground level, the base roots level to, to begin with. And that was problematic. I mean, when you have a haul truck that's producing forty or $50,000 an hour, there's a lot of perceived risk to start using new technologies that don't yeah. come from the areas. Yeah. So that was kind of a barrier and, and it was frustrating for them. So the long and the short of it, I came in and took over the company and I said, let's go back to basics. Even Caterpillar doesn't take a new technology and throw it into a haul truck. They put it in a skid steer or backhoe and we, and we work up from there. So that's what we did. So we went back to um, sort of the grassroots and developed the mid duty diesel uh, piston. We thought that was an excellent place to start. We had a lot of experience with it. And then we had a willing partner, both with um, United Engine Machine, which is where I am today, actually in their conference room. Um, and they're a hundred year old piston manufacturer. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with their dual oil line of uh, diesel pistons. And they're known for their innovation. So we, we kind of started working with them to develop a product that we could actually sell, um, you know, commercially and get out there in some fairly large numbers. But back to, you know, your original question too, that's sort of my involvement, <clears throat> but Speed of Air started off really uh, focused, not solely, but almost solely on the emissions issue uh, issues, particularly in the diesel uh, market. And of course, the automotive industry has treated emissions issues ever since the 70s when the mandates came out, Clean Air Act came out, and the first catalytic converter got thrown on a car in the 70s has been, the, the, you know, the, the approach has been to uh, slap something on the aftergas. So we started with catalytic converters. Now I call it the three-letter alphabet soup of, <clears throat> of, of emissions control, control devices from DOC to EGR to SCR and DPF and and all the rest of it. And as most of your listeners probably know, uh, you may get a clean tailpipe, but we there's a cost associated with putting a bunch of band-aids on the back end of the exhaust stream. And so Speed of Air's approach was say, well, let's go back and look at the combustion chamber itself. We've messed around, the industry's messed around with valve geometry and head geometry and we to, to induce swirl and tumble and better homogenize the air fuel charge. But we want to really get down and look at, you know, microscopically, look at the surface area physics, what's actually happening inside the combustion chamber. And so people have played with dimples for years. This is nothing, um, I guess, new. But what Speed of Air figured out was <clears throat> going into your shop and throwing a piston on a mill or <laughs> your drill pest and putting a bunch of indentations in there may not be the most uh, give you the most satisfactory results. I'll just put it that way. 
what we found is there's a lot of math, a lot of computational fluid dynamics that goes into each design. A lot of it has to do with um, the injector spray patterns and how fuel is introduced into the chamber, uh, where we're getting fuel wash. <clears throat> but essentially, uh, in a nutshell, the, the turbulators or the indentations or dimples in the pistons are causing microturbulence uh, vortices. And just like a golf ball, that allows a tightly bound laminar flow. And we're also using a bunch of uh, thermal coatings and each design has different thermal coatings that we use. Uh, we typically on the crowns are using a thermal barrier. We're using anti-friction coating on the skirts. And in some applications, we're using thermal dispersants. So we're really trying to manipulate that thermophysical boundary layer inside the combustion chamber. But all this was geared towards reducing emissions. But what they ended up stumbling upon was that they got the emissions reduction, but they got it by making a more efficient combustion event. And of course, there's three directly related variables to a more efficient combustion event, or any combustion event for that matter. One is fuel consumption, one is emissions, and the other is power and torque. And if you, if you have a more efficient combustion event, you're going to improve all three of those, those variables. So anyhow, that's sort of <clears throat> what speed of air ran into. And it's been sort of a unique um, proposition, I guess, depending on what industry. You know, when we talk, going back to the Newmont Gold example, they could care less at the time. They could care less about fuel consumption. They could also care less about exhaust uh, emissions because they weren't great on it. What they cared about was they kept blowing up motors because of carbon buildup in the top ring lands and breaking rings. And for a truck that's producing $50,000 an hour, that's a, that's a, that's a problem. Yeah, And so that was a problem that they wanted to uh, solve. And so our sort of corporate philosophy has been, we're not going to be, you know, a solution in search of a problem. And in, in other words, the typical sales stick out there, we do this, this, and this. We really want to understand what our customers' needs are. And each industry has a specific need. So some companies are have big ESG efforts and they care about emissions and saving the environment or regulatory hurdles. Some, if you're a race car driver, they just want more power and torque. You know, if you're if you're a hotshot driver, or a long range trucker, you care about fuel economy and reliability. So, uh, you know, we try to um, solve our clients' individual issues, solve their pain points with it. But again, we just sort of stumbled into something. We were working on emissions and found out, well, actually, there's a there's a great value story here for fuel economy. There's a great story here for power and torque and drivability. And then on the Newmont truck, one of the other things we know, and we didn't expect this, uh, but we test, we do very sophisticated oil analysis continuously on those, on those big vehicles. And the reduction in soot, of course, soot is a byproduct of the diesel combustion process. And most of your listeners know that it's an abrasive. So absent silica or something else getting inside the engine that's not supposed to be there. That's a primary wear uh, <clears throat> component for, for our lubricated bearing surfaces in the ICE, uh, particularly for diesels. And we reduced soot by 55%. <laughs> well, the end result was when the maintenance superintendent ran all the numbers at the end of life. So Again, this was about 18,000 hours and a little, a little less than three years' time. The difference just in fluids and filters and labor just for oil changes uh, was almost a quarter of a million dollars between the two trucks. 
in savings because they were able to extend the oil change interval by, they basically doubled it. The, the fleet average, I think, was 250 hours. Our truck, the speed of our truck went 500 hours between uh, oil changes. <clears throat> and even that was due to a limitation placed on by Caterpillar. He said, you know, you change the oil based on the condition monitoring of the fluids, but under no circumstances do you go beyond 500 hours. So uh, even our 500-hour oil sample, in most cases, was cleaner than the 50-hour oil sample of its running mate. So again, when we tore the engine down at the end of life, I had two cat trained failure analysts independently look at all the wear metals, the main bearings on that thing. One guy came back and said 45% life remaining, the other said 50. So, you know, if you extrapolate that out, that long block may have lasted close to 30,000 hours. And at the time they were going 12 or 13. So anyhow, that's uh, probably more information you need on that for first question, but that's, that's kind of a, where, where we got started and uh, where we're at now. Well, it helps to see how it all converges because when people would um, message into us or send us an email and say, hey, I want to learn more about these pistons, is that's a tremendous um, like source of, I guess, want that diesel truck owners have is like, like you mentioned with exhaust treatments and the, you know, the uh, EGR, DPF, all these sorts of things. It's been the approach to solve it and enthusiasts and, and, and people that are in the industry have been saying, well, what can we do? in the combustion chamber to do this. And well, there's been strides with injectors and, um, you know, injection pumps and, and rail pressure and things like that. They've really thirsted for it. So when they saw, I don't remember exactly when it was, but um, I think it was in a magazine that I had seen pictures of the piston and, and people started to say, hey, get these guys on the podcast, chat with them. It relates back to these trucks that they might use for work, they might be passionate about, they might have all these uses for these trucks. So it's cool to see how the, how the technology started, what it, we, what it was used to do and now how it's now translating over to Cummins, Duramax and PowerStroke. What has that transition been like to go into these daily drivers, these work trucks, these hotshot trucks that, that people are wanting a lot of the benefits you mentioned, whether it's less soot, um, less maintenance. I'm sure that there's more power and torque that are achieved through a better combustion process, but what's that transition been like? Well, it's been interesting. I mean, any time you take a startup business from the ground up and the, the real challenge has been, uh, you know, we're not auto part salesmen. This is not another piston. They said, well, I can buy these for this much. I said, well, we're not really, we're not competing with anybody else. You know, this is a unique, you know, it's patented. We own the patents and, and, and the, the sort of science that goes into successfully getting a design is pretty substantial. So, and, and I, you know, I, t I get in conversations with people, oh, I remember we did this in race cars 20 years ago and we didn't see much deal. I said, you didn't have the computing power 20 years ago to do this advanced computational fluid dynamics that are necessary to optimize a design uh, to work as efficiently as we have them working. So that's the first thing I tell, but the, you know, so the, 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 it, it's been an interesting process, I guess, from it, because there's so much education that goes in some of your, some of the folks out there will do a lot of due diligence and research and they'll read articles. And we were just featured in Motor Trend magazine. We just, in fact, in the last month, we've been in Motor Trend, Hot Rod, Engine Labs, Engine Builder, uh, and a few others. And, so people go up and read that, go to our website and read up on it. And they say, oh, I get it. That makes sense. <clears throat> uh, other folks, uh, 
we'll just click on a link on Facebook and say, ah, oh, we tried that before. It doesn't work. <laughs> well, it does. So, you know, educating, uh, educating the consumer, if you will, on what it does, what the benefits are, and and really defining a distinct return on investment for the piston versus, uh, you know, it's just another auto part that we're going to put in the vehicle and, and run it till it runs out. So that's probably the, I, I would say it's been the biggest challenge other than normal. Uh, it's a new business and it's a startup. So getting manufacturing and quality assurance program in place and all the processes that uh, <clears throat> we need to successfully pull this off. You know, there were a lot of things that say, even with UEM, with their normal production process, uh, there's a lot of labor. It's very labor-intensive process to build on these pistons. <clears throat> so particularly with the coating. So folks that do custom pistons, but to manufacture on large scale, something that requires to be washed, media blasted, taped off, a coated, baked, cured, you know, and maybe two or three times for each uh, type of piston that we build, not to mention the fixtures and, and to build and for each, uh, you know, for the machining process, CNC process for the dimpling on the, on the surface, which is actually probably the easiest from a production standpoint to do. And then we had to develop new quality assurance programs. For example, every piston that goes in our box sits for 24 hours in a temperature control room at exactly 70 degrees Fahrenheit. And each piston skirt is measured and recorded and goes in the box. So we wanted to ensure that we weren't going to have returns, people weren't going to have issues, and we had the highest standard of quality in the industry, bar none. So those were, I guess those were sort of the challenges and ongoing challenges, uh, you know, to get to this point. But the biggest one now is just educating uh, our consumer base and ed educating our clients on, you know, somebody just opens up a magazine, sees a dimpled piston and say, why do I want to buy that? Well, here's why. So I'd say that's probably been the biggest challenge so far. The, you know, when I think of, of pistons and I've done episodes in the past with engine builders building something specific towards racing or higher power, higher torque, the trucks being trailered somewhere. And I'd say as an enthusiast, we don't necessarily think of a piston being something that we're going to invest in for something we're going to put hundreds of thousands of miles on if we have a failure. And that's what really piqued my interest with it is this isn't necessarily you know, that's, that's just a very small percentage of truck owners out there that are doing race trucks. Most of them are work day in and day out and crisscrossing the country and hauling things. And I know listeners are going to think, okay, so what, what benefits would I get? So I guess maybe we could start with um, which trucks do you guys offer these pistons for? Is it the newer ones that it started with? And is it trickling back towards some of the older ones? Or what's been the focus for the rollout of these in pickup truck applications? Yeah, so we have, gosh, uh, probably 200 and I should know this number, but probably uh, 250, 270 unique part numbers available uh, for the mid-duty diesel line. So we offer everything uh, up to the 2016 LML uh, for the Duramax line, 6064674, Fords, 5967 Cummins, and uh, uh, so if anywhere back to the mid-90s up to around uh 2018 depending on the model so the latest duramax i think we have is lml we're just starting to work on the new 2017 later design so uh and, and that's pretty typical in the aftermarket industry uh you're not going to see pistons for a 2023 truck uh yeah. in the aftermarket industry because there's no demand for them they're not being rebuilt yet 
So we're on par with <clears throat> with everybody else in the world. If your truck is up for rebuild, we probably have the piston. If you're running an old five nine twelve valve, uh, we have pistons for that. So right up to uh, something pretty pretty modern. Um, almost every design we have a standard and typical oversize 0 0.25, 0 0.5, 0 0.75, and one millimeter. So in SA numbers, that would be uh, 10 over 20 over 30 over 40 over. Um, <clears throat> and then in many of our designs, we have reduced compression height uh, size. So if you deck the block or something, so we can cut those pistons down uh, 10 thousandths. And then if, um, you know, we've had customers like doing custom builds where they're using a, um, you know, five, nine block and a six, seven crank, and they want to deck the piston, you know, 83 thousandths or something like that. We, you know, we can do custom orders like that and work with customers individually, um, valve release, things like that. If you're doing, you know, something special. Very cool. Yeah. That, that covers a, a pretty wide variety of trucks. And, and I'm sure you guys know this from the extensive research and experience that you guys have, but there almost tends to be a completely different set of questions that somebody with a truck with a DPF and EGR on will ask versus somebody with that 12 valve or that 5.9 or that LB7. So if we were to take kind of both of them almost separately a little bit is with these newer trucks, say the LML or the 6.7 Cummins, what sort of differences would they, will they notice with either less regens, um, lower EGTs, things like that as far as being an operator or an owner of one of these trucks? Yeah, great question. And I get at, and, and let me just answer a question that you didn't ask because I, I get asked this a lot and people say, Hey, can I delete my DPF? No, 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 you can't. You can do what you want, <laughs> but this is not, there's, there's no legal means for, I, I cannot sell you a set of pistons and say, Oh, this obviates the need for you to have any after gas. You can cut it all off because we're going to, you're still going to pass emissions, even though that may be true. So <clears throat> You know what your listeners may do uh you know in the darkness of night or on their own time that you know that's fine but we have to tell people that at the time now uh, we'll get hopefully get this a little bit later in the session about some of the initiatives that we have going on with carb certification and tier four upgrades and things like that um and I, that's some of the stuff i'm probably most excited about <clears throat> but for right now back to your question um what you're going to notice is and I had this discussion with one of the PhDs with the EPA uh, that was doing the clean diesel verification. He said, well, we're already, we already have NOx at very low level at the tailpipe. I said, yeah, but it's not upstream of the tailpipe. What's your, the garbage that you're piling into these, um, these after gas uh, motors, I would argue that the, the, the engines are actually less efficient. And we know this, we've seen, for example, the Cummins X15, which is the latest and greatest <clears throat> uh, 15 liter, uh, we've seen a lot of uh, over-the-road applications, uh, fire trucks, ambulances. I mean, it's a very, very prevalent engine out there on the heavy-duty side. Those engines in a long-haul application, uh, you know, the old Cat 3406, for example, <clears throat> or a C-15, would reliably, reliably get a million miles uh, between overhauls. Sometimes I've talked to folks that have gotten a million and a half out of them. And I've literally talked to owner operators running 15s and they're pulling the top ends off at 100, 150, 200,000 miles because they're just so coked up with carbon. So again, you pay a price for these after gas uh, treatments with the longevity and the reliability of the engine, not to mention guys trying to make a living. In fact, coming to this uh, meeting today, uh, there's almost a wreck on the highway with a FedEx truck uh, with his flashers on going down the highway at probably 20 miles an hour, obviously in D-rate. So, 
what your customers would see was much, much reduced uh, regen activity. Uh, in fact, just as an anecdotal story, we did a C7 insert motor for a, that's a seven liter Caterpillar <clears throat> engine and a, uh, a transit bus. This was for the Lake Tahoe Transit Authority. So the blue buses that run tourists around Lake Tahoe and Nevada and California, and this is one of the most environmentally sensitive uh, areas on the planet, certainly the U.S. And so the issue that they had was the bus would not meet the opacity limits for California, which is 20%. And in the summertime, they couldn't get a full load of tourists up, up the mountain. You know, it's 20 miles an hour with blinkers on. So we did, we applied the technology of the bus. This is like seven years ago. That motor has not regened in seven years. It has not wow. regened. And it runs up, uh, and we got the opacity when we got it. Again, it was 23%, even with the aftergas, which is out of limits. Uh, we got it to 0, 0.00 after one minute of warm up. So uh, that's the kind of stuff that we see. So for your mid duty diesel drivers, what you're going to see beyond the fuel economy, uh, you, you're not going to see the biggest reduction in emissions at the tailpipe as you would because so much of the aftergas is masking what's happening inside the combustion chamber, but you will see a reduction. So, um, but you will see reduction in def usage. You will see a reduction in regen activity, <clears throat> uh, less def fluid. Um, certainly you're going to have more torque and power and it's really usable. The drivability, that's one of the biggest comments we get is how, how much better the truck drives, how just the responsiveness of the engine. Um, so th those are probably the, you know, the biggest things you see with the aftergas. So, and again, the maintenance on those things is cheap too. If you have to decoke a DPF and pull that off, I don't know, 1500 bucks for a mid-duty truck, something like that. I mean, there's, there are some other expenses that go along with having that stuff on, on your truck and, and maintenance and reliability issues. So, you know, cleaning it up is cleaning it up and, it's going to make it last longer. It's going to make it more reliable and less maintenance downstream. I imagine that the, the benefits for those older trucks that didn't have a DPF or an AGR is exactly the same. They can probably just get even more of a benefit with it, or they might be able to quantify it easier because they don't have some of these other components like EGR, DPF, and um, you know DEF and, and things like that. So as far as those older trucks, would you say those benefits would be the, the exact same, if not even more, just because of the yeah, nature of them? Absolutely. absolutely. They're absolutely, and they're more pronounced, again, because you don't have anything masking those issues, particularly on the emissions side. So, uh, you know, I'd encourage your, uh, if, you, if you go on YouTube and look up Speed of Air Engine Technologies, we actually have a video of uh, Tim Anderson, who, who owns uh, TNA Performance diesel rebuilders that here in the Reno area. He does personal shop truck. Um, he's been fe featured in a number of, of magazines. Like he was an engine builder, Motor Trend, uh, things like that. But uh, we took his truck, which is a 2002 7.3 liter uh, power stroke, no after gas on it whatsoever. And we have a of him running on the dyno with our pistons and he's, he's running 50 miles an hour, pulling a 30,000 pound load. Um, 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And he's making 565 horsepower, 1,301 pounds of torque, and the tailpipe looks like a Prius. You can't, it's not a wisp of a visible exhaust, really. So we got that truck down. And mind you, today in 2023, California opacity limits is 20%. That truck pulling that load was pulling, I think, around uh, six or seven percent opacity. So, yeah, absolutely stunning benefits. Um, interestingly, another partner of us, uh, some of your listeners may be familiar with DFC Diesel uh, yeah. up in Edmonton, Alberta. So, DFC is the largest diesel remanufacturer in Canada. They've been testing our pistons independently for about two years now. They have something like 15 or 20 test trucks that have been on the road for that period of time. They literally took every single truck. <clears throat> they pulled the uh, pulled the engine out, set on the floor, <laughs> took the top off of it, put the pistons in, put it right back in the truck. They didn't change tune. They, they changed absolutely nothing. It's all factory tunes. The worst truck is getting a combined, uh, that's highway city loaded, unloaded, 15% increase in fuel economy. The best trucks up are around 30%. So our average is around 20, 25% on fuel economy. That's with stock tune. And we know for a fact with tuning, we're getting far, far better results than that. Um, they've seen NOx reductions anywhere from 20 to 80%. And again, people say, well, why such a wide variance? I said that 20% is probably on a 2016 LML. The, uh, uh, the 80% is on a on a 90, you know, 1998, uh, five, nine, you know, with no after gas on it. So again, you're going to see bigger results without the after gas on there, but at the end of the day, you know, <clears throat> power and, and internal combustion is, it's about moving air through an engine as efficiently as we can. And you mentioned earlier about other, uh, you know, injectors and, and tunes and things like that. That's the beautiful thing is all those things are, work much better with the speed of air piston because at the end of the day, you've got to be able to move the air through the, through the, through the block, right. Through the engine. And you can only move so much air. And so we can make, we can get a lot of efficiencies with tuning. We get a lot of efficiencies with, you know, anywhere we're manipulating airflow, uh, injector, uh, spray patterns, valve geometry. There's a lot of things that we can do to help that, but we still got to be able to absorb and, and move that air. And what we're doing is allowing <clears throat> that air to be moved through more efficiently. So the advantages you, you get, you know, I've just told you sort with DFC, that's all the stock tunes, but we have customers that we, in fact, we just had a customer that uh, did his, uh, his six over. He was getting 14, 14 and a half miles a gallon, rebuilt the engine, same tune. Again, nothing different. The only change was the pistons. He's still a break-in and is getting 23 miles per gallon. So, uh, and we haven't even the truck from yet. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, I, I guess money on the table left is so to speak, when you get, when you get down to, you know, with tuning and, and injectors and as people get more familiar, our builders get more familiarity 
with what the Pistons can do, uh, there, there's a lot more uh, uh, kind of neat stuff we can do to get more efficiencies out of them. That's where the you mentioned the excitement talking about the future. And there's so many points that all kind of converge right now, because I think one of the main things with these newer trucks is they're, they're the most advanced that have ever been built. They have the most technology in, in them, the most creature comforts. They tow the most, they make the most power. But the reason that people buy diesel trucks for the price they buy them at historically is because of the long-term reliability with them, how many miles you can put on them, how robust all these different components are. And then once the market was introduced to DPF and EGR and then DEF, that's the major complaint that people have is this truck isn't going to last as long as my old 5.9 or my old Power Stroke or my old Duramax did. And from my perspective, I see tons of innovation with injectors, injection pumps, tuning, turbos. But I haven't seen it until chatting with you guys and learning more about your company in the in the engine itself. So as you look towards the future, I think you mentioned carb and testing and other sorts of things. What are some things that you're really excited for with the future of the product and what it's going to afford? It, not just diesel truck owners, but maybe OEMs one day, the whole aftermarket in general. Yeah, great question. And and just, I guess I'm going to answer another question that you haven't asked yet, but since you mentioned OEMs, is... I get asked a lot, like, okay, if it's so good, how come the OEMs don't do it? And, and, and my answer is something, I don't, look, I haven't sat down and talked with the CEO of General Motors, so I don't know what's going through their minds. And I don't even know if I'm a blip on the horizon. Uh, what I do know is that they don't, all the stuff that they've developed, they've got billions and billions and billions of dollars invested in the after gas treatment. And this is how the industry's, yeah, so we're now we're asking you to completely retool and sort of obviate the need for all or some of, of, of these after gas type treatments. <clears throat> and I, I guess I would liken it to if you went out and mixed a bunch of stuff in your together in your kitchen and accidentally found out that you had a, a magical cure for cancer, you'd say, oh, I'm going to be a billionaire next week and, and all the rest of it. And I'd say you're probably not going to have a dime in 10 years. And I'd be looking over my shoulder, quite frankly. You're literally taking trillions out of an industry's mouth. And I suspect that the big pharma would not be particularly happy if you just make can cancer just wasn't a thing anymore, right? So I know that's kind of a silly example, but I think it's easy to understand. <clears throat> so I think where the OBs are going to get uh, interested is at the point where we can revitalize some of these motors that are obsolete. So back to your, your question, and I'll kind of tie this together, is we are currently going through SEMA certification right now. We're starting with a 2016 LML. That's the truck. We're going to do this down at the SEMA garage and Diamond Bar. Um, <clears throat> we have two test engines that DFC is donating uh, for the tests that they, they are building, with one with OE pistons, one with speed of air pistons, so they'll be identical um, engines. Uh, so that SEMA certification will happen here in the next couple of months. Uh, we will then take that and roll that into a CARB EO. And what the, what we're waiting on now is the EPA has a program called uh, Clean Diesel Verification. And your listeners may not be familiar with this, but uh, if you remember the Volkswagen uh, yeah. the, the debacle, they got fined by the U.S. government billions of dollars, <clears throat> all, all that money, and that was became part of the Diesel Emission Reduction Act. 
And all that DIRA funding went to the to the 50 states state EPAs. So the CARB, the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality, Nevada Department of Environmental uh, Protection, <clears throat> so on and so forth. And each year those states take that money and they grant out to it could be a business, it could be a municipality or what have you, to voluntarily introduce a what they call a clean diesel device to their vehicle fleet. Well, all clean diesel vehicle devices, to my knowledge at this point, are some kind of after-gas treatment. So, for example, you have a school bus, you're a school district, you have a bunch of old school buses puking out PM 2.5 and NOx in our, in our fifth graders, and you say, well, we're going to go put this... Um, we're going to put DPFs on these buses voluntarily. They can go on the EPA's clean diesel verified list and pick something that's been verified by the, by, by the EPA. They can then apply for grant money through their state EPA to pay for it. If there, there's no money comes out of their pocket, we're, we are actually going to get our pistons EPA certified as a clean diesel device. So that'll be the first, and frankly, we'll be the first piston in the world that's been SEMA certified, first piston in the world to have a car VO number, and certainly the first piston to have uh, actually be listed by the EPA as a clean diesel device. So we're working through all of those concurrently right now. But what I'm really excited about, and this kind of ties back into where I think the OE start getting interested is beyond the mid-duty diesel stuff, I'm really pivoting quickly into the over-the-road heavy-duty market. So you're sort of 12, 15, 18 liter engines. And we're doing a lot of work with the Detroit 60 series, all of the old uh, CAT uh, C series engines um, that were still on the road, well loved and liked. It, if you guys don't know, and I probably do because I know you guys do a lot of regulatory stuff, but you know, California introduced uh, <clears throat> the law where uh, you know anything older than a 2010 truck is not allowed in the state. We uh, are working on taking. Um, all of those engines. Uh, so for example, a, a Detroit 60 series 12.7 or 14 liter or an old cat C12 or C15 and building a tier four upgrade kit and getting a carb EO for that upgrade kit. So you could take that old engine that's currently obsolete and not legally allowed in the state of California. It's not gonna be just a set of pistons. We're not gonna get there with just a set of pistons, but we're convinced we can get there with our pistons, our turbo, we also own patents for, for the turbo design, uh, an ECM flash, and possibly a light substrate on the back end. We're thinking right now uh, we could get away with just a DOC on the back end, which is not a big deal, but we could certainly do it without a CR DPF, which are the big, the, uh, the big issues. If we can get that, an EF number for that tier four upgrade kit, Every one of those engines that is now obsolete is no longer allowed in the state of California. Those guys can go right back into the state of California. You know, the options are you, you spend, what, $300,000 on a new Class 8 rig, you know, 2023 model. But you can go out and buy something that's 20 years old for a fraction of that and, you know, put a tier that's perfectly good truck and it's reliable. It's going to give them years and years of, of uh, useful service. So those are sort of some of the initiate, initiatives that we're working on right now. Uh, I'm actually doing, uh, again, DFC is building the long block for an LLY 2005 Duramax. Um, it's actually my personal truck. I've got 320,000 miles on it, stock truck, not, never done anything to it. And 
we're going to swap out the motors and our and again 2005 was for that last year on the Duramax line with no it's got EGR on it but it has nothing else and uh, our goal is actually as proof of concept make that 2023 tier four final compliant without any after gas or at least without DPF or SCR so that build is going to start here pretty soon so we're really really excited about that just as a proof of concept to show that we can do that. So again, back to the OEs, uh, are they interested in me net right now? No, if I start taking their engines that aren't tier four and making them tier four, I think that's probably the point where uh, we have some OE interest in, yeah. uh, in what we're doing. <clears throat> that's really, I can't emphasize it enough how exciting it is because any conversation I either have on a podcast or not on a podcast with an enthusiast or even a company that's what people want. That's what these millions of truck owners want is that ability to say, I'm going to go buy a, you know, a 2023 or a 2025, whatever year it is. And there will be emissions controls on it. But what if it's not as aggressive? What if I don't have, you know, as aggressive of an EGR with some of the issues with the engine and the longevity. And that's been the hope for such a long time. And that was really why I was so excited to do this yeah. podcast because it's, it's always everything else and we're still left with the same issue of i'm going to go into regen my oil's going to get dirty my engine's not going to last as long what can we do you know to to fix this so i think that approach and what you talked about with the proof of concept and taking these other you know platforms and saying hey we can do this we can meet these strict standards you have and revitalize a truck that's 20 years old or um do it with, you know, pickup trucks is so incredibly exciting. And I think that's going to give a lot of people hope and excitement to be able to follow what you guys are doing. Yeah. And, then, and like I said, you know, speed of air at its, at its inception was really geared towards environmental concerns and, you know, but it, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a big bridge to cross. And we've, we've gone back to the mid duty diesel. Like I said, it's just, it's, it's an easier, it's, it's less risky. Um, it's an easier concept to understand without getting into <clears throat> millions and billions of dollars of assets in the large bore industrial market. But if you think about it, you know, and I, I'm all about, uh, I don't get in discussions with people about EVs and, you know, I have my own personal thoughts uh, about that. And that's, this is not what it's about, but if, if you really have a sober analysis and you're not, you're just not out there and just left field somewhere to have a so sober analysis about carbon footprints and who's doing what. And, you know, cause right now you buy an EV, that's great. All you're doing is shifting the carbon footprint to somebody else's neighborhood. That's, yeah. that's just the facts of the matter. And, to, and, and to intimate that we're going to have, uh, you know, EV ships and EV planes and, and, and trains in our lifetime is folly. It's just not, it's not going to happen. Diesel is the most energy dense fuel known to mankind absent outside of nuclear. That's why industry runs on heavy fuels. So we're going to be relying on that for quite some time. The proposition we have is if I say, okay, it's going to take you 50 years to really have a huge impact on the industrial side of the market with alternative fuels, uh, you know, whether that be electricity or solar or what have you. Um, and, it, you know, would you, would you just stick with what you have until then? Or 
if I offered you, say, a 50% or more reduction in emissions immediately tomorrow, you know, would you take that? And, and, and that's really the proposition that we're, that we're, I think we're offering here. So, yeah, you know, revitalizing old engines. And if you look at, again, just the carbon footprint, you know, to manufacture a new engine, to go mine the, the metal and the ore, to build a new block, you know, 60, or I'm sorry, about 80, 80, 85% of the carbon footprint for manufacturing an engine is consumed in the block and the crank. Well, we can reuse those. If we can reuse that and remanufacture those engines, again, we're probably doing more to save the environment than anybody, um, you know, out there running around with their with their Prius or their their Tesla. So, and, and not to you know, uh, make derogatory comments about EV people, but that's just the facts of the matter. So, we think we're doing something beneficial, um, and we're excited about it, and we're certainly excited about. It. I mean, think about transoceanic shipping. Right, these big five, six, seven cylinder, thirty-six inch bore, two-stroke diesel uh, main uh, propulsion engines on these ships. A freighter from Indonesia to Long Beach round trip is going to burn four or five million dollars in bulk fuel in one trip. I mean, if, you know, we get a five or ten percent increase in, in fuel economy, and 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 look at the knocks that those things put out. You know, you can't put emissions on. Same thing with airplanes. We actually have these pistons in an airplane. Um, you can't put after gas devices on, on an airplane engine. It just doesn't work. And, you know, we ran that airplane uh, engine on a dyno. We reduced, we got, we went from 299 to 320 horsepower and at the same time reduced brake specific fuel consumption by 25%. We went like from 0.56 to 0.42 in gallons per hour. That's like 28 gallons an hour full power to 22.7, I think it was. So, <clears throat> You know, there's just so much opportunity out there, and you know we're super excited about it. You know, right now we're 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 hyper focused on, you know, your your listeners' uh, needs in the mid duty diesel market because we just thought that's a great place to to start. But you know, we're really trying to get uh, quickly pivoted into the heavy duty stuff, and then really get into the large board. And again, I think the sweet spot for going forward for this technology is going to be in the mining, rail, maritime, and large bore industrial power. Uh, industries. I think that's where the, we're going to see the biggest bang for the buck for the environment and uh, you know, for business overall. I know that there's, this could probably be like a four or five hour, like Joe Rogan-esque kind of podcast where we got to you know, take a break, have lunch in the middle. And I'm sure there's questions I didn't ask. And I know with our audience, there's going to be engine builders that listen. There's going to be enthusiasts. People are going to have questions that I didn't think to ask you, or they might want to focus in on something really specific. Where can they, what's the best way to reach out to you guys or, or to see, uh, you know, follow along with some of the testing or the new products that you guys have? Yeah, so the best way to follow us is probably, for right now at least, is on our Facebook page. So we, we, we're we fairly active on that. I, I'm, you know, you asked me about challenges of business. Uh, what, what, what it was for an old guy to learn about social media. So I'm getting a little smarter on that. But uh, we have a fairly robust uh, and, a, and a pretty big following. I, you, know, you know, we're just a little startup company, but we probably have, I don't know, 17, 20,000 followers on Facebook already. So, uh, you know, if you go to Facebook and just type in Speed of Air Engine Technologies, you'll find us, follow us there. You can kind of see latest projects, uh, you know, customer builds, uh, you know, pictures of new product releases, things like that. Uh, we put any links, any sort of media uh, interests or articles that get written, we'll post uh, post that on there. So that to just kind of see what's going on. That's probably the best way. If you want to read more about the company, 
uh, and what we're doing, you go to our website, which is just www.speedofair, all one word, speedofair.com. Um, and then I would also point our, our sales website. So where you can actually buy uh, mid-duty diesel pistons is www.soapistons.com. And interestingly, we have a um, right on the landing page, you can just plug in your truck year model and it'll take you to our product offerings. But uh, we have a little slogan on there that says the only piston in the world that pays you back. And uh, there's a button there that says, see, see how. So you can actually go to an ROI calculator, plug in how many miles you drive, what you pay for diesel. And you can put in, uh, 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 you know, your oil change intervals and, you know, what, what, um, percentage increase in fuel economy you're going to get, you'll see how much money you're going to make a year uh, put back in your pocket uh, relative to <clears throat> just some OE pistons. So right now I tell you that we are seeing, uh, you know, on average with stock tunes without doing anything else, we're seeing around 20, 25% increases. Guys that are tuning their trucks, um, you know, we're seeing 50% increase. We've got a hotshot driver in uh, uh, Fort Worth hauling a 30,000 pound load around with the six, seven Cummins, uh, 3,500 Ram. He was getting eight miles a gallon loaded. He's getting 12, 50%. So huge gains. So we don't advertise that, you know, I'll just tell you customers are getting it. You know, we'll, we'll say comfortably, conservatively 20, 25%. So anyhow, you can kind of click through the ROI calculator there at SOAPistons.com. And I'd also invite you to go to UEMPistons.com, the website, you can get to the same links there. And if, uh, if your if your listeners are interested in a in a speed of air engine, a crate engine, you know, please please go to DFC Diesel and check them out. They have they have the same ROI calculator uh, as well, and 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 can and and it's also interesting to see their perspective on what they have observed on their testing data with with speed of air over the last couple of years. So another independent source. So um, kind of a mouthful there, but. If you Google speed of air technologies, I think you'll find uh, all of those places uh, as well. Well, I appreciate you uh, you sitting down with me today, chatting, sharing the story of the business yourself, the technology, and then the future as well, which is going to have us all excited to see the progress that you guys are able to make on so many different platforms. So again, I I appreciate your willingness to come on, chat with us, educate us. And uh, I'm sure in the future, there's a ton of other things we could talk about as it pertains to combustion pistons and uh, just making these things run cleaner and more efficient, which is what we all want. Right on. Well, anybody wants to know more, call us anytime. We'll, we, we'll always answer the phone. And if we don't answer, we'll call you back. So uh, we're always happy to talk to folks and answer questions and appreciate you having us on and appreciate your time, Patrick, and good luck to you. Don't forget, diesel fans, make sure and head on over to kershaw.kaiusa.com. Use code 20diesel to save 20% off site-wide. So if you need a knife for hunting, fishing, EDC, something like that, they've definitely got you covered. Also, make sure and check out their Duralock model. It uses D2 steel. It's fully ambidextrous. And then also, the way it opens and closes, your fingers aren't in the way when you do it. So they've got that. A bunch of new products that have been released for 2023. So make sure and use that discount code if you guys are in the market. Save some money. Get some cool gear. Also want to give a shout out to some of our Patreon supporters, Tyler Lowen at 23 Diesel, um, J. Cole, uh, Joe, all of our other Patreon supporters, um, all of you that are on, uh, that follow us on like Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, or on our Discord. We appreciate all the support you guys have given us for seven years now and look forward to bringing you guys even more episodes that you guys want to hear in 2023. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.